1: Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. We are your hosts, James and Anthony. This episode will be on The Karate Kid. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. James and I are very excited to talk about one of our childhood favorites, a VHS that we wore out as kids The Karate Kid. This came out in 1984, directed by John G. Avildsen, written by Robert Mark Kamen. Ron Tomatoes, this is an 89% critic score, 82% audience score. IMDb has The Karate Kid listed at a 7.3 review. That's low. Budget. I mean, it's a... Yeah, I, I, an 80s coming-of-age movie at the same time as karate, so I, that's pretty accurate aptly rated, I think. Aptly rated, Aptly nice. rated. <laughs> Great word. vocab <laughs> word. You've been studying to sound smart. <laughs> I haven't done my worldly wise. <laughs> I got my words. he got flashcards. I found my word aptly. <laughs> I, I my How w- to use it in a 2nd <laughs> <laughs> I've been learning English on Duolingo. <laughs> uh, budget of $8 million. This film was a massive commercial success, grossing $180 million box office Globally, Oscar nomination as well for Pat Morita, and we adore the Karate Kid. Obviously, you all know we have older brothers growing up in the eighties. We grew up in the nineties, but we loved eighties commercial content. We loved eighties movies, eighties TV shows because they were still relevant and popular. And the Karate Kid was culturally very relevant in the na- in the nineties too because the spawned yeah. three sequels, two of them were sequels to this with a kind of a reboot with number four with uh the next Karate Kid with Hilary Swank, Hillary Swank yeah. as the new Karate Kid, and then we had. The Karate Kid TV shows that came out in the '90s as well that didn't do so well, but now we have Cobra Kai reboots, so it's still a franchise that 40 years later almost is still kicking. I'm really happy Pun for intended. I'm really happy for <laughs> Ralph Macchio and the other actors to that they're working on Cobra Kai now. It's cool, and that it's become a really liked show by a lot of people, and, and a lot of young people really like Cobra Kai. So it's cool that it's um surpassed uh, different generations, and I'm because gl- Ralph Macchio. He was big. He was really big in the 80s and 90s. He was 90s. a huge heartthrob because of this movie. Yeah, and I mean, The Karate Kid, it's probably the coolest 80s teen movie. I can't think of one. I mean, Lost Boys is really cool. Outsiders is really cool. I like License to Drive. License, yeah, but is it cooler than Karate Kid? No, it's not cool. No way. Karate Kid <laughs> was the best. Badass. And Ralph Macchio was like, I I was like, when we were kids watching, I was like, this guy, is the, he's the man. I love this guy. He's so cool. I want to be like him. He's like super Italian, <laughs> <too>. <laughs> and so he was huge. Uh, it just didn't work out. Sometimes it doesn't work out with um, actors and actresses making the transition into being like lead actors as they get older. And he kind of disappeared, and I think he just focused on uh, family and maybe other business stuff. Um, but we were, we, I did always wonder. I was like, oh man, whatever happened to Ralph Macchio? That's something people would say. But so it's great to see that he's back in Cobra Kai with a, a great role that people love, and to see young
0: people
1: um being drawn to him just how we were when we were kids yeah ralph macchio what a star in this movie like star making role big time huge heartthrob is all over magazines and like became like the it jimmy kid. put it had him all over his wall oh yeah he was the <laughs> it kid for several years and what's crazy is ralph macchio in this movie is playing a teenager obviously coming from jersey moving to los angeles california in the valley in Reseda, going to high school he's 22 years old in this movie he That's looks crazy. like he's 11. When I was watching this movie, because I watched it last night to prep, I haven't seen it in years, I was like, "Is I was like Ralph Macchio is going to be like by far the youngest person in this cast. And then I looked it up. I was like, he's 22? Insane. He looked so young. I mean, that, might, that might be why he never transitioned after the Karate Kid into big movies or leading roles, is because he just kind of has just like... He, he has a baby face, yeah. like hardcore baby face, because he's 22 playing a 15-year-old. He looks like 15-year-old. He looks younger yeah. than everyone else in the movie. You're right. So I think that, that was probably what... You know, audiences wouldn't maybe accept him as an adult in future films because he still looks like he's such a young-looking guy. He must have been one of the oldest teen actors in that in that movie, but
0: he but wasn't he, a teen. But I, I know, but I'm saying <laughs> sorry. But he, oh, my um, bad. I <laughs> got what you mean.
1: But he by far looks the youngest, even though he's probably the oldest of the actors who play teens. So it's, it's nice. It's, yeah, because I, I watched, it, I was like, he must have been like 15, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. <laughs> I was like, wow, I was way off. It's go. wild because he just looks like a kid, and he's he has, got the voice he, too. He's, he's got like, like that. I'm going through puberty. Exactly. Voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but man he's got so much charisma and charm in this movie yeah, he's, he's very good very likable and he's just a cool italian kid from jersey he's gonna be one of the most underrated italian characters in movies he's up i love it he's, he's up there he's, he's, he's as cool as rocky because yeah. this movie is like a like the little nephew of rocky i like to say yeah. because same director and then bill conti did the music as well great soundtracks mm. great 80s music and kind of the story is similar to rocky in a lot of ways except it's coming of age in high school this is yeah they even have a survival. Song. Yeah. The guys who did uh, Eye of the Tiger, they made a song for this. <laughs> it's great. I, but I love it. I think Ralph Macchio is extremely charismatic and very good in this movie. Uh, he does a lot and he really makes the audience really like him and empathize with him. But he, the thing with Daniel, he gets his ass beat in this movie. Yeah, like he's got. He's like Rocky. He's he's bruised up like ninety percent of this movie. He's covered in bruises on his face. It's, it's great. That's well, because this movie it's kind of based on real life. So the the screenwriter, The Karate Kid, is a semi biographical. Sorry, you got it. Man. The Karate Kid. You spent too much time on the vocab the, words. Is, you forgot regular. I gotta words. put my worldly wise away. <laughs> the Karate Kid is a semi autobiographical story based on the life of its screenwriter Robert Mark. Cayman at age 17 after the 1964 New York World's Fair. Cayman was beaten up by a gang of bullies. He thus began to study martial arts in order to defend himself. Cayman was unhappy with his first teacher who taught martial arts as a tool for violence and revenge, just like Kreese in this film. So he moved on to study Okinawan goju Ryu karate under a Japanese teacher who did not speak English but had a student of Chogun Miyagi nice had been a student of choga miyagi mm-hmm. so this is kind of just sort of loosely based on his experiences growing up getting bullied and training in karate to defend himself and to protect himself against all these bullies and i really i like the injection of the the okinawan and japanese culture with mr miyagi he's such a, an iconic character like we grew up loving miyagi and iconic. wax on wax off was like the most like so quoted in the 80s and 90s it was, it's got to be one of the most loved movie lines of all time. We wax quoted wax that stuff. around the house growing up all the time, Mister Miyagi. We were always saying "wax he on, wax He was a legend off. in our house. <laughs> yeah, he was. We <laughs> loved him. He was so cool. And we and we we watched all of them. The second one's pretty good. The second one, I think, has a really great ending fight when uh, Miyagi's twirling the that the drum. Yeah, and it's that's it, when they go to yeah. Japan. Yeah, it's it's that's like a great fight. Uh, great well, finally go to Okinawa, which yeah. technically it's part of Japan yeah. now. But but um. It, there's a tournament in that one, and it's I think it's a, a, even a better fight than this one. But the thing with this, the fights are actually really good. They're really well choreographed. And actually, so the referee for the tournament, the guy who played the referee, he was actually the fight choreographer, and he was teaching the actors. They, they did the best they could, teaching them as quickly as they could, but like, it's not like they could have years to train, only a couple of months. And so he was teaching them for the fight choreography very intense and advanced um, moves, but it was very dangerous for the actors to be doing, so that the producers were like why don't you just be the referee so you can stay near them so they had him cast as a referee so that he could stay close to the actors while they were doing these intense advanced moves so that nobody could actually get hurt which was actually really smart to have the the stunt choreography safety guy be right next to the actors on screen yeah i like the fight choreography a lot in this movie because it seems authentic and and really it seems realistic yeah i've seen a few episodes of cobra kai it's a really cool show but the the karate is like so fantastical in a lot of ways. It's uh-huh. pretty cool. I get it. It's modern audience; they want to see some crazy stuff going on. You know, that kind of like Kill Bill esque. You know, we have these crazy kung fu martial arts moves that these kids are doing on each other, which is awesome. You know, it's a different world. You got to have that. But in the eighties, it just seemed this seemed like more authentic, more realistic to have. Just more of like a. It's, it felt more like what Roof-hide. happens in a dojo, yeah. more authentic, yeah. more like kind of a street control time. Yeah, less, well, less controlled and less less precise. Yeah. So it just seemed real. And the director filmed it really well with long takes, lots of wide shots, and very few cuts. Like, a lot of these fights, they're just happening for, like, 30-second shots, minute-long shots. There are a lot of long takes in this movie, and you don't even notice it, but, like, a lot of the scenes are just one camera setup without even editing, and it'll be conversation scenes, dialogue scenes, or fight scenes. And But that's what really brings you into the fight, Because it was so well choreographed and it looked great, they were able to photograph it without cutting a lot. And I think that really inserts you into the fight, makes it feel real, especially during the tournament. But even like during the early fights with the bullies, a lot of those have very few edits, and it's just well well choreographed and well blocked, and so you don't have to edit. But I think that the less you edit in a fight, the better. I miss old movies like this, man. Just the editing alone is what makes them feel so authentic. It makes you feel like you're there... In having this experience with them, I get it because the I think it's so common in a trend in Hollywood right now. A lot of studios, they're quick cuts, very fast cuts, lots of edits, lots of camera shots, lots of setups, lots of back and forth going between. As soon as you hear dialogue from somebody, you're cutting to a close-up of them. Yeah. But I like more patient filmmaking, slower. Let's just feel like we're there in the moment with them. And this, like I said, this movie and this franchise is still relevant with the Cobra Kai TV show. Again, five movies – Three of them sequels, one remake with the Jackie Chan and uh, Jaden Smith. We had two TV shows, video games. And there's also supposedly a Broadway show coming for Karate Kid. Oh, wow. Wow, damn. What a big property. I think it got slowed down because of COVID because it went into development right before COVID hit in 2020. And the Karate Kid actually had somewhat of an issue with its title going into production because DC Comics has a character called Karate Kid. The filmmakers received special permission from DC Comics in 1984 to use the title for the first film and subsequent sequels. That's really cool that DC let them do that. Thanks for doing that, DC. (laughs) But directing-wise, I love this movie. It's it's so well-made. The opening is amazing. It's literally like three minutes of just wide shots. You don't see any characters. All you hear is Daniel and his mom talking, and they're traveling from Jersey to Los Angeles, we. I feel like any other director would have constantly gotten lots of shots of them in the car traveling. Yeah. It's just wide shots of them slowly driving down the street in Jersey, traveling across the country, pushing the car to get it to start out outside that hotel <laughs> in the desert in the middle of like New Mexico, and then arriving in Los Angeles. Then we finally see Daniel. We finally see his mother, but that's like three, four minutes later, and all we hear is their voices and great music. I think it's so such an amazing opening I used to get I always always get so excited when we put the movie on in the that opening title montage was happening because I was like all right here we go it's about to start it used to really get me excited and then the music this music track is great the 80s bangers are so good you got like cruel summer you got you're the best around by, by Joe Esposito which is also in Rocky oh my god just that that album the, the albums. the song track selections are just spot on the survivor song is great I love, like, these 80, pulpy, like, bombastic pop culture pop hits. And they're they're so much fun to listen to. Cruel Summer by the Bananarama is such a great song, and it works so well in the sequence they have them. And and what's really cool is, like, the songs, they'll play for, like, the entire scene. Like, during that, like, soccer trials. And he gets into the fight with um, Johnny's friend, and he walks away. But But it even starts with him, like, talking to Allie before that. It's like a five-minute scene. Cruel Summer plays from start to finish of that scene. It's not like it's like they just put it in for to as a transition or just for the highlight moment of, of the scene. It plays for the entire scene from start to finish. And there's a bunch of songs in a lot of the scenes that play for the entire scene. I like that. I like how we're hearing like the entire track of the song rather than just like fading in and out for like the part that the filmmakers wanted. I love how like you hear the entire track and just like the Rocky sound song songs and soundtrack in those films like the the song playing with the lyrics it just yeah thematically fits with the moments going on with the characters like daniel's getting bullied he's having a terrible time fitting in (laughs) so cruel summer is blasting it's amazing then you have you're the best during his training montage getting ready for the tournament it's amazing banana rama's 1984 hit song cruel summer also it made its debut on this film the karate kid and i think it was top 10 like, for that entire board or something like that. It was huge, that. It's a, it's a great song. It is a great it's song. It's really good. But Bill Conti did the music for this movie, the original score composition, and he's famous for doing, obviously, all the Rocky movies and incredible themes and music for that. So his... That's why this is, like, a nephew of Rocky, because Bill Conti's involved. The 80s music, I mean, the martial arts aspect as well. Plus, we have John Avildsen who directed Rocky, won a Best picture, best Director at the Academy Awards for directing Rocky. Great underrated director. And I think the Karate Kid, he did he did the all, he did the first three of them too. So this is a franchise that mm-hmm. he just loved doing, and was the artistic and creative voice behind it. And the first three, the trilogy, grossed over three hundred million dollars. So it was a very successful franchise. In the yeah, 80s. I mean that's about a half a billion if you adjust it for inflation. Yeah, maybe even more. So very and they were made for very small budgets. Like all of them were made with small budgets because very limited locations and only a handful of main characters. So they were able to make these on pretty affordable, like. Pretty easy to do the characters they're so memorable i like daniel larusso is the man he's so memorable Danielson. and it this obviously launched macchio's career a ton of actors were considered for the part of daniel including sean penn robert Downey jr Char- charlie charlie scene john cryer emilio estevez emilio! Emilio! nicholas cage anthony edwards c thomas howell tom cruise eric Stoltz, and db sweeney ralph macchio was ultimately cast on the strength of his performance uh, what's funny is like all those guys acted it together <laughs> Yes, yeah, because he, he was he was Johnny Castle in The, the Outsiders, Outsiders if you remember that awesome stat cast and Macchio has stated that his performance as Johnny influenced the development of Daniel LaRusso and the Karate Kid they're very similar characters mm-hmm. for sure and the character was originally named Danny Weber but as soon as Macchio was cast uh, they changed it to LaRusso to give the kid an Italian name and turn him into an Italian kid it adds kid a flavor it's, yeah. it's, it would be just too generic if it was just like you know, a typical American kid, but just to some add, plain, plain vanilla white. kid. <laughs> yeah, just some some white dude. We need a spicy white Italian kid yeah, yeah. from Jersey. But it adds, <laughs> it adds, it adds like a brushstroke of like you know, here's a, a, something different. And it's it, like, it has it's more, like Rocky. Dude. Yeah, it's more specific. You know, especially when you're super Italian. Like his mom's so Italian. Yeah, and our mom like has that same hair. <laughs> <laughs> so similar. It remi- like her She and Karen remind me of our mom growing Karen! up. Karen! Where's my stuff from? Where's the Pittsburgh stuff? <laughs> Karen! It. That's all we had! I'm sorry. I'm sorry! But like her and the mom in this I gotta come f- home to this shit! <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get worried about whack getting whacked in the streets! <laughs> <laughs> sorry. But Karen and, and the mom in this film, they reminded me so much of our mom. They had the same black curly hair the 90s Mom looks like both of them yeah, Yes, funny. they have similar she does she does look a lot like both of them. So I always relate to it, but I think having like a specifically like super Italian character it, it adds something different that you didn't see from another like if what they if they had cast Daniel Weber, you know what I mean? It, it's it's more specific and adds to the character. Also Pat Morita as Mr. Miyagi, what an Legend. icon in martial arts movies, just in 80s culture in general because he was a part of all of the sequels, the four, the four movies he was, Mr. Miyagi in all of them, reclaiming the role. The studio originally wanted the role of Mr. Miyagi to be played by Toshiro Mufain, who had appeared in the Akira Kurosawa films guy, yeah. uh, Rashomon, Seven Samurai, and The Hidden Fortress, but that actor did not speak English. Pat Morita later auditioned for the role... But was rejected for the part due to his close association with stand-up comedy and his character Arnold on the sitcom Happy Days. So Pat Morita is actually born in Los Angeles uh, to immigrant parents, uh, Japanese immigrant parents. After a few failed attempts, Morita grew a beard and patterned his accent after the role, which led to him being cast in the role. So a little background on Pat Morita: his his full name is Nariko Pat Morita. He was born in 1932 in California to Japanese parent Japanese parents immigrants. And he began working as a stand-up comedian at small clubs in Sacramento and San Francisco and took the stage name Pat Morita. You know, it's that typical Hollywood, like, mm-hmm. they didn't want people with
0: other yeah, – yeah. they wanted
1: American names, yeah. which is unfortunate. Easy, they wanted easy to understand, easy to understand
0: A lot of names. actors and yes. actresses
1: have had to go through this situation, but yeah. fortunately it's changing where people can just use their full name and, and their real names yeah. to get parts in it nowadays, which is amazing. But uh, So he so he changed his name to help with his stand-up comedian career and comedy career and TV career. He was in The Happy Days, like I said, and then he eventually got cast in Karate Kid, which is so cool and so badass, and his nickname on stage as a comedian was The Hip Nip. So he's actually born in America, but he's incredible in this movie. Oscar nomination some incredibly moving scenes he's a part of as well. I think the drunk Miyagi scene is one of the most emotional moments of the film, and that's what director John Avildsen credits Mr. I mean Pat Moriarty to Pat Morita. I'm sorry. Oh, Marieta. he's uh, he's the he was the cook in Happy Days. Yeah, he owned no he owned the diner. The diner. Yeah. Oh my god, you're right. I never knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Look at the photos. Yeah, crazy. I'm looking at Mind them. Mind blowing. Oh my god. Wow. We used to watch Happy Days all yeah, the time. Yeah, we used house. to watch it all the time. So he Mr. Miyagi and Oscar nomination, really incredible performance. Just this great wise old karate master who also, we learned so much about being a war vet, losing his family, his wife and his child in childbirth when they were having their first child. And that's why he takes on this incredible father figure role for Daniel Larusso in this film. And he treats Daniel like the son that he never had because unfortunately he has so much past trauma and, and losing his wife, and he never his had the child. Chance never a had the chance to be a father. And that's yeah. why he latches on to Daniel after understanding Daniel's plights in life, being bullied and everything. Plights! <laughs> wow, <laughs> the vocabulary in this episode. Wow, I'm impressed. What about latches? Do you like that? Well, I mean, it's yeah, okay. yeah, okay. but plights, man. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> trying to help steer Daniel in the right direction, and trying to help Daniel defend himself against these antagonists in his life. And Morita, he inspired. He was inspired by his actually his stunt double. He based his accent and mannerisms on the. It was a samurai, It was a karate master who was playing his stunt double and always there on set. So he, in that guy, with, I believe was from Japan. So I think he. Saw the strength of this guy's personality and was like, "This would be really great on screen," is my guess. And so I think that the his accent is great. Uh, It fooled me. It it seems like he's not American. Well, he's got Japanese parents. Yeah, yeah, but still, but like he's, it's an amazing performance and so memorable. So many great lines. But what I really love is he's constantly teaching Daniel. Like the first time, the first interaction they have outside of. Daniel trying to get him to fix the sink, which they have just like a tiny interaction. But when he first brings Daniel into his garage, teaches him about the tree, teaches him to meditate, Bonsai! Bonsai! (laughs) But like their first interaction, he immediately gets Daniel to meditate and clear his mind, and become completely relaxed and focused on one thing, which is trying to picture how he wants to cut his bonsai tree. And right from the moment, that's the that's his first lesson, you know what I mean? To shut out all the noise, to escape, and to focus on the moment. So he's constantly being a teacher to him, even before he's a karate teacher to him. Back to the music real quick, I forgot to bring up the flutes all over this film. Very reminiscent of Kill Bill when I was watching it and oh, old yeah. Kung Fu movies. Yeah. So it's really it's that, You need it. it. It makes the movie it's in really a lot of incredible. ways. The, the cinematography in this movie is really great as well, too. Yeah. There's some really incredible moments Besides I love the, him standing on the ocean on the boat yeah besides what a great besides the, uh, the the fight scenes the long takes but yeah on the ocean during his training montage yeah. it's really beautiful when he's standing on Miyagi with the sunset behind him silhouette. silhouettes yeah. so, some great cinematography in this film as well and it looks great it's on really film. well photographed and I, I really and I really like the visuals because it's They clearly didn't have that much money, but they still did the best they could and did a phenomenal job making it visually interesting for the audience. And so basically the plot of the film, we all know Karate Kid is about uh, uh, (laughs) Daniel LaRusso with his mother moved to Los Angeles because she got a new job. It's so L.A. It's very as, LA. as someone who lives in LA. It's authentic as I hell. was like, I'm like, because I never really we didn't know what LA looked like. As small kids. apartments with the pools yeah. and everything. Yeah, the when com- you, we used to live in yeah. one of those complexes. Yeah, like because when you're a kid, not in, growing up in the West Coast, you imagine LA is just the beaches and palm trees. But like the apartment they're living in, their parking spot in like those those dr- little covered driveways with the shelves on the walls and a dumpster the, right there yeah in the the apartment complex with the pool and all the like it's so authentic to living in LA especially in the valley i i thought it was terrific cuz we lived in Sherman Oaks which is pretty close to Reseda yeah. so daniel and his mother moved to Los Angeles uh daniel's not happy about it obviously and he has trouble making friends he's immediately bullied because he starts getting a crush on this girl, Allie, that he meets at the beach party that he goes to, who is played by Elizabeth Shue from The Boys. You might yeah. recognize her season one of The Boys, everybody. O- also Oscar-nominated. Oscar-nominated, yeah, of course. <laughs> she's in. A- <laughs> she's that boys actress. The boys! No, I'm just saying she's in The Boys. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. I but know. Leaving I, Las Vegas, yeah, she's, that's her yeah, Oscar nomination. Yeah, right? with Nick Cage. She was nominated she's, for that. She's yeah. excellent in that. Yeah, she's a very good actor. She is. She's tremendous. But I I always forget she's in this movie. Me too. I was watching like, oh my God. I had such a crush on her when I was a kid. And so because he starts to have a crush and they start liking each other and talking, he starts to get bullied by her ex-boyfriend and his gang of Cobra Kai Karate Dojo douchebags. And... L.A. bros in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> and so basically Daniel has a terrible time fitting in at his new school that week and the rest of the film because they're bullying him constantly. He's getting beat up everywhere he goes. He's trying to develop his relationship with Allie, but he becomes afraid of the gang until Mr. Miyagi, the maintenance man that works at the apartment, saves him from the attackers. And finally, well, not the so before that, yeah, yeah. when he comes home after they push him off the side of the road, off the hill with their bikes. Yeah. And he has the outburst, and Mr. Miyagi hears everything that's going on with Daniel and how much trouble he's having with bullies relating to him because the same thing happened to him. Even though he knows karate, someone, someone always knows more karate. And he decides to take Daniel under his wing and to train him up. And he is able to defend himself, prove himself against these bullies, and wins this amazing karate tournament despite the cheating of Cobra Kai. But it's a great All movie. Right, that's the end of the podcast. That's, that's, that's it. <laughs> hope you in. enjoyed the. <laughs> hope you enjoyed this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great plot, though. Oh you know, yeah, it's, it's coming a of plot. age relationships, ups and downs with Allie and then just trying to prove himself against his bullies. I like the bullies in this movie because it's not like overdone yet, and it's it's because of the brutality of it. It's it's not like the cliche bullies. We I feel like, and they're not just bullying him because he's like a nerd or a dork or because they're he's their loser. Like what I like is that Daniel, he stood up to Johnny immediately, and that's what caused the bullying. Obviously, Johnny was jealous that he was talking to Allie. But Allie like, dissolved that situation by kicking the soccer ball away so that Daniel could get away from her area when Johnny showed up. A smart move by her. But I'm sure Danny, Daniel was like, why'd you just cook the soccer ball like 100 <laughs> feet away? But it was when Daniel stood up to Johnny and gave him shit for, for mishandling the radio, the stereo. That's what started the bullying. And then their fight, their altercation. I like how Daniel stood up for her. And for himself against this guy that probably nobody wants to stand up against. That's what caused the. That was the catalyst for the bullying. Because so many times the bullying isn't really done for any reason in movies, and it's like just someone's picking on someone. That they the can lead character. Yeah, because <laughs> the lead character of the movie, and it, yes, he's the lead character of this movie. But he he actually helps create the bullying situation. So the character when they're driving the conflict and help create the conflict that's actually great for the story like it's not just happening for no reason it's because daniel stood up to him yeah i'm never a huge fan when it's just like the lead character of the movie is going to school and they just start getting bullied because yeah. the camera's on them you know yeah. it's, it's plot you yeah. know you gotta do what you gotta do but you're right they authentically created him being the catalyst for the reason why he's getting bullied exactly by johnny i think it's a, i think it's really well done and there's there's a couple of great philosophies in this film i mean i mean the comparisons between the cobra kai dojo and and Mr. Miyagi's dojo, which is just him in his backyard <laughs> with Daniel's son, <laughs> Miyagi, Yes, Miyagi dojo. I love when he steals the black belt. At the yeah, it's so good. Oh yeah, so he, he black belt. Uh, this <laughs> is not it's not Miyagi. It's Miyagi. Miyagi. While well, well, he's reaching for the black belt, <laughs> it's great. And we have these two competing dojos and philosophies where. Uh, the sensei at Cobra Kai, Kreese, Kreese yeah. he is former military special ops, judging by that photo of him with a giant machine gun. <laughs> <laughs> and He's Rambo. He's a karate sensei, but he's teaching his students the exact opposite of the main philosophy of karate, where he's using karate as an offensive weapon to vanquish your enemies attack and without attack mercy, without mercy and to hurt people and to never feel weakness or be weak, whereas karate as... Mr. Miyagi explains to Danielson is, is supposed to be for defense and it's supposed to be a last resort. And the reason why you learned karate and the reason why you, you learn martial arts in general is so that you don't ever have to fight. And if That's... you and if you do, you can get out of the situation. Yeah. Most people yeah. that are in martial arts, they're like the nicest people you ever meet. They're not training just to like be, they're not I want to go fight. fight people yeah. in public. Most people who train martial arts are training so that they don't ever have to fight, so that they know how to handle situations to avoid conflict. Obviously, you have some, you know, rotten apples that are learning new moves to beat people up, but most people that train boxing, karate, MMA, whatever it is, they're learning how to defend themselves and how to get out of situations rather than be in situations. You probably – it's more dangerous to encounter like a, a, a roided up, juiced up gym bro than an like actual – Like have a few than times. Than a martial <laughs> artist. Like those are the guys that are going to want to start a fight with you because they can't control themselves. Exactly. That's something that martial arts teaches you, uh, control over your body, surroundings, um, understanding conflict and how to avoid conflict. And when you become capable, you you understand that conflict isn't – the best way to solve anything. And Miyagi actually points that out. He says, fighting is no good. Fighting makes it worse. And it's a great philosophy. And what I like is that um, Miyagi, he decides to do this tournament to protect Daniel for a couple of months, which is really kind of him. And And clever. Yeah, and clever. But also, Daniel, he's like, how am I going to win this tournament now? But Miyagi's like, I'll train you not to win, but I'm going to train you to compete and earn respect and be capable on the in the ring so that these guys respect you You don't have to beat them for them to respect you he says you have to as long as you put up a good fight you'll earn their respect so i like how it's not the motivation of the movie isn't to win the motivation of the movie is to stand up for himself and to prove himself and earn the respect of these bullies in fighting it's about balance In fighting he tells danielson multiple times it's about it's about inside your mind and inside your heart, not inside your stomach. It's not yeah. about your gut because if you follow your gut, then you'll just be an antagonist and you'll want to fight just to fight. Yeah, it's basically it's not about emotion and impulsivity. So don't follow your impulsive um, emotions, basically. Just the relationship that develops between Miyagi and and Daniel is just really special. It's really touching. And they become great, great friends. (laughs) He's like, you're the best friend I ever had. You're pretty okay, too.
0: (laughs) It's really sweet because
1: Daniel's son doesn't understand fully the background of Miyagi yet. He just understands that he's a really nice guy. He's teaching him how to defend himself. And you know, Miyagi confesses to him that like he went through bullying as well. And his father, Tom him Kira- karate, he's teaching him everything as well to be able to be able to defend himself and earn respect to, from the bullies to stop hassling him. And it's not until Daniel's son swings by to see Mr. Miyagi, and Mr. Miyagi is just getting drunk and <laughs> he gives Daniel some boots. <laughs> yeah, looks 80s, like whiskey, yeah. The 80s, man. Uh, it's the. It seems to be the. <laughs> the is it is well? The, the drinking age might have been eighteen back then, so he might have been close to the drinking age. Well, it's the eighties. Yeah. If you were like, it was like normal to just for yeah, teenagers to yeah. drink. It was just normal. Um, but can, what was it? Was it his wife's birthday or was it an anniversary? Anniversary, anniversary, of the, anniversary. Their wedding anniversary. Their wedding anniversary. The photo of his of his wife. And Dan, after Mr. Miyagi passes out from the alcohol, Daniel starts to go through some of his things. And also, Mr. Miyagi's wearing military uniform. Yeah, and so. What Daniel finds out from a letter in his his personal belongings is that Mr. Miyagi's wife died in childbirth of their son that was about to be born. And so we learn of the tragic past that Mr. Miyagi has has probably why he's become such a recluse and such a loner. It's not until he meets Daniel's son and the troubles that Daniel's son's going through that he decides to take him under his wing. And really, they they form a father son relationship in this movie that's so touching and so endearing. Right now. And now, Mr Miyagi uh, is a decorated soldier in this film, and it's hinted in the movie with his with his outfit. And so he's celebrating the anniversary. He reveals we're revealed that he served in the Army. He was in the 442nd Regimental Combat Team, the unit composed mostly of Japanese Americans, many of whom had been in intermittent camps, fought in Europe during World War II. It became the most highly decorated unit in the history of the United States military. Amazing. That's so incredible. I love how Miyagi, he never teaches karate, or he never even looks at karate, even in terms of competition. And you see that in the lack of belts because... Daniel Sunny asks what belt are you what belt do you have and Miyagi goes canvas JC Penny 3.99 Cuz for him it was having... like back in Okinawa I used the rope <laughs> <laughs> For him that's not that's not where karate comes from it's not about competition it's not about ranking it's about each individual and how they approach their lives and it's more than just a fighting style it's an entire philosophy and a way of living. And so I think that for him, ranking and colored belts kind of don't even, they don't serve the purpose. And it's more of like a more contemporary version of karate in terms of martial arts competition wise but doesn't really have anything to do with the real heart of karate and its origins. Do you remember when we uh, took karate at we the YMCA? We took karate when yeah. we were little kids. Yeah, we, we I thought it was going to be Daniel's son so bad. <laughs> yeah, we, we we were obsessed with karate, Kid. like we did karate for years. Yeah. And, and, we, and then we did an MMA in high school yeah, and stuff like that. But like I remember like karate um, at the YMCA. We get uh, we had we got up to like orange belt or something, something like with that. and you would get like stri- to colored colored stripes for your yeah, so yeah, like, so, yeah. if, so if you like a uh, start with the white belt and then you move to like a yellow belt. So your white belt, every week you would get like one piece of tape of yellow. And then when you got like 10 yellow pieces of tape, then you got onto the yellow belt. So that's how they determine your advancement. And it was like, man, we took it so soon. It was, it was so awesome. Was awesome. <laughs> I used to love putting on the gi the and the belt. It's actually oh, in man, karate, it, uh, it's, it can be called a gi. It's called a gi in, in jujitsu and everything like that. But traditionalists will argue that the correct term for the gi is Kimono, a, dogi oh, a dogi or kai kogi. Okay, and je- um, samurai, you, it's called the kimono. Yeah, com- yeah, kimono, a little different, yeah. but those are the different kind of uniforms that they wear in martial arts. Mm-hmm. But in jiu-jitsu, it's 100% called key. the e. Yeah. Very similar. Yeah. And, it's just- and jiu-jitsu actually originates from Japan. Uh, Brazilians took it on and made their own version of jiu-jitsu, which is very heavily used, but the origins of jiu-jitsu do come from Japan as well. Jiu-jitsu origins. It was all actually called jiu or something. It's compl- It's a complete... A little bit of a different spelling, but um, it's it's that's where Jiu Jitsu came from. It's really cool. How about we head to our intermission oh, and we'll yeah. get back into the Karate Kid? We talk about mini golf and Heck stuff. Yeah, yeah. golf and stuff. <laughs> golf and stuff. <laughs> Before we continue, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost Podcast is to share us with your movie friends and movie family members. Also use our coupon codes and become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. You get awesome perks like personalized videos, personalized messages. Every patron has access to a weekly bonus episode we do. $10, $25, and $100 to your patrons have access to our Discord where we chat with you all the time, and we have watch parties. It's a really great film community. $25 and $100 tier patrons get their own custom episode. You pick the topic and we cover it for you. $100 to your patrons are chosen ones. They get executive producer credits at the end of every main episode, their own personal watch party with us. And after three months of being a chosen one, you get to come on the show for a fun guest segment. Patreon allows us to do the show full time. So thank you so, so much for your support. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is also brought to you by our friends at Manscaped.com. The leaders in men's grooming use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout to get 20 percent off and free shipping worldwide. If you're a 22 year old and you're starting to go through puberty, you're gonna want to get on Manscaped. I highly recommend getting their Lawnmower 4.0 Groomer. I said that like a Bostonian, big time. The 4.0 gr- guy. 4.0 4.0 Groomer. It's wicked, fancy It's r- wicked awesome. 7,000 RPM motor. It's waterproof. It's a good motor. Built-in light. It's a good car. It's got a wireless <laughs> charger. Use it in the shower, kid. <laughs> There's also, a, lot in this, a lot of R-words in this copy. Yeah. 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 Uh, also use, also get their Boxer Briefs 2.0. The most comfortable boxers I've ever worn in my entire life. Entire life. Entire <laughs> life. I can't, I can't shut it up. They got a little extra space down there for your junk as well. So you feel very comfy, guys. Wicked awesome guy. <laughs> Manscaped has all sorts of other great products like deodorant, 2-in-1 shampoo conditioner. Guys love 2-in-1 stuff. <laughs> Body wash, weed whacker, t- n- here and nose trimmer. It's just... The shit. It's actually really useful. Ma- the Mans- nose trimmer. Yeah, yeah. Anthony needs it big time. Yeah, I never realized until I. <laughs> now I look at it, I'm like, man, the hairs are coming in. I got to get trim them. <laughs> it looks bad. <laughs> it looks it bad without the weed whack. Without whacker. the weed whack. So yeah. head to manscaped.com. If you don't want to look bad with those nose hairs coming out, <laughs> use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost. That's one word at checkout. You'll get 20% off and free shipping worldwide. Our other wicked awesome sponsor. <laughs> Is movieposters.com. You know You know movie posters. Use our coupon code Raiders10 <laughs> to get 10% off your order today. It sounds like a Celtics podcast now. <laughs> they have a gigantic selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable in their huge poster library, as well as all sorts of options like framing, backlighting. So, whatever your poster needs are, movieposters.com. As you covered, we have a ton of their amazing posters. They decorate our set. They decorate our bedrooms and home. I love them. There's no better place to go for all of your poster needs. So, again, head on over to MoviePosters.com, guy. Yeah, kid. And use our promo code Raiders10. Take attention percent off your order today. All right, let's head into our, <laughs> our intermission, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> all right, no more Boston accents. <laughs> Once you, yeah, if we, we do, do it too long, it, it, yeah, it sticks to you. Let's do the movie quote competition first. You ready? Ready. All my <laughs> all my life I wanted to be famous. I knew I was made for better things. I had a calling. I just didn't know what it is. Wasn't singing. I can't fucking act. Kind of running out of choices, really, aren't we? Huh. It's a good quote. Can you say it again? All my life I wanted to be famous. I knew I was made for better things. I had a calling. I just didn't know what it is. Wasn't singing. I can't fucking act. Kind of running out of choices, really, aren't we? It's Tommy Shelby. No. Damn it. He's been on that show. It's um, Legend. No. Great actor. (laughs) Bronson. Yeah. Bronson. (laughs) Tom Hardy. (laughs) Good accent. Thanks. Good job. All right. Here's my quote. My top schools where I want to apply are Oxford and Sarbonne. My safety's Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is this? Crap. I feel like I've watched this recently, too. <laughs> My safety's Harvard. <laughs> oh, man. I'm blank- Um, I'm blanking. Rushmore. Yeah. Max. That's funny. All right. Guess this movie release year. Enter the Dragon. Nineteen seventy-eight, three. Damn it! Nineteen seventy-three. Guess this movie release here. that I <laughs> didn't. <laughs> do. I just wrote the the movie <laughs> <laughs> Little Shop of Horrors. Huh. I'm gonna go. I'm feeling this is eighties. Nineteen eighty. Six. Yes. Oh yeah. Ding 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 yeah, ding. Baby. Nice. Yeah baby. <laughs> yeah baby. Yeah baby. Austin Powers <laughs> over here. <laughs> <laughs> movie pop quiz time. What is the highest grossing boxing mo- boxing movie of all time? All time. It's a good question. I'm gonna go with highest grossing Rocky three. um what about rocky balboa nope i don't know rocky 4 rocky really yeah highest grossing 127 mil wow no wonder why they made a fifth one this is actually the list from one to ten rocky 4 rocky three rocky creed 2 creed million dollar baby the fighter real steel rocky 2 and rocky balboa the rockies are really the only box office hits for boxing movies the other they, they all usually do okay but like, I mean, the night the fighter was ninety three mil okay. million dollar baby's one hundred mil, real still is eighty five. Yeah, it was a robot. Cinderella <laughs> Man sixty one, <laughs> Ali fifty eight, Southpaw made fifty two. Yeah, those aren't very. Hurricane impressive. made fifty mil. Nice. Yeah, Th- it's crazy when you look at the list how many boxing movies there are. Oh, Raging yeah. Bull grossed twenty three million. It's the best one. Oh, hands down. I thought Rocky 3 was the best, uh, most successful, but yeah, Rocky 4, wow. America vs. Russia, baby. Yeah. I mean, the Soviet Union. Yeah, it, it had a great trailer, too. It's, yeah, I guess that was the most, like, new new villain. Dolph looked Cold like. Cold War. Yeah, Cold, yeah. The training montage, just seeing him in a beard in, in the in the snow. It was different, you know? It was, I think that people might have been attracted to, like, how different it looked. Yeah, it was so different. <laughs> it's basically the same fucking thing. It's <laughs> <laughs> just with snow okay here's my quiz question how many Wes Anderson movies has Bill Murray acted in he hasn't been in all of them but he's been in I think everything since Rushmore so I'm gonna say how many fucking movies he's made like 10 movies because he's not in Bottle Rocket obviously so one two three four five six seven eight nine nine ah he, must he, did, have make ten, he did make 10 movies right Wes. Wes has made 10, but those yeah. been in 9 of them. Yeah, everything yeah. except for Ball Rocket. I just got how many yeah. movies he made wrong. Yeah, But you were right where he's been um, in everything after that. So that was actually the correct approach. You were on the right track. You just fucked it up. <laughs> Basically, you're an idiot. <laughs> I really liked your approach to sucking. <laughs> All right, who we got for haters this week except for you? <laughs> well <laughs> we just recorded last night so i don't have any haters left well we have a great five-star review that i would love to share with everybody let's hear it it is from oh you know i have i have some do your do the review first though this is from j roman wait no i already did him before well i might as well say it again j roman 1090 high quality library of episodes found these guys on tiktok i really enjoyed the variety of episodes Thanks, thanks so pal. much, thanks, pal. <laughs> all right, so for unsubscribes, you posted a TikTok. You posted a, a comp, the Chris Pine Harry Styles clip, and then someone commented, um, "the the creator just likes all the comments but doesn't explain why Harry spit on him." And then you replied, "like I'm not." either one of them let me text chris pine i'm like i said uh, how am i supposed to know i'm not harry styles i don't know why he spit on him if he spit on him yeah and then mike wrote wait you're not harry styles unsubscribe (laughs) and then um neil wrote you don't have chris pine's personal phone number (laughs) unsubscribed i wish (laughs) he's like you he's rocks flip phones yeah well he he just got a. yeah yeah, yeah. he he goes back and forth yeah but well he know he just got a, a smartphone recently i saw an interview where he, it was the reason why, part of the reason why I did, because it makes living impossible to a certain point where no one wants to talk. to we're you. We're so reliant on technology that like having a flip phone makes it really difficult to just like be. The, hard, the hardest thing with dealing with Anthony is flip phone. Like I didn't care about him having it. I thought that was, I thought it was pretty cool. The thing is Thanks, though, man. when you're texting with him or someone with a flip phone or like you're in a group text <laughs> and anyone sends any kind of media like a photo or a video. If someone with a flip phone is in that group text or you're texting them, it immediately compresses the absolute bonkers shit out of the content. It just content. becomes pixels. And you can't see what's going on. You can barely hear it. It sounds like a video from like 2001 <laughs> recorded with a webcam and it's so yeah, bad. It looks like webcam. It's so yeah. bad. So, like, you'd get a video from like mom would send a video to a group text of all the brothers of like grandma saying hi on her birthday and you can't even tell it's grandma on the video because it's. Or like video of the kids playing and like you, you can't see anything. So, stuff like that is why it's tough to like talk to somebody that has a flip phone or like interact <laughs> with them. <laughs> but it gets to the point where it's like when you travel it's so easy to have the smartphone for your boarding passes and stuff and everything. Yeah, it makes every like, getting around Venice in Italy like yeah. it would have been impossible without a smartphone. Yeah. Like, I mean, how do you even know where anything is? I would You would have been doing everything. You got use, a, you gotta use yeah. a map. Yeah, but it, it just became impossible to just like do things without a, a smartphone. So I it for a while. I wish I could go back to it. I wish I could. You just need... We need to be more successful so that you can have an assistant that has a smartphone. If I can get an assistant, I would go back to So everyone, a flip phone. go to Patreon and sign up so Anthony <laughs> can get an assistant that uses, I would. I would go back to a flip <laughs> phone if I had an assistant to handle like day-to-day <laughs> stuff. All right. On this day in film history, it's September 19th, everybody. In 1952, The Adventures of Superman debuts starring George Reeves. Not related to Christopher Reeves. In 1989, Doogie Hauser MD, debuts starring Neil Patrick Harris. In 1990, Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas is released. In 1994, *ER* they yeah. use on TV. In 2004, The Maze Runner is released. In 2016, big one here, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie divorced. <gasps> and happy birthday to Rosemary Harris. Finish it. Finish it. <laughs> Finish it. Oh, <laughs> really? Osborne! <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Irons and Jimmy Fallon. Nice. My streaming recommendation is Warrior on HBO Max. Starring nice Joel pick. Edgerton and Tom Hattie. Nice pick. I picked Lights Out on Hulu. It's a really great horror film. Before we continue, let's do a Patreon shout-out for active $10, $25, and $100 tier patrons. Dawson Jolokir, Justin, Michael Caranja, Caitlin Signorelli, Luke Rankin, Jacob Kosler, Dennis, Jorge, Caleb McFalls, Dennis, Workus Circus, Sal Guanera, Lauren Mertz, Grayson Younts, Tanner Teagarden, Barrett Compton, Andy Walker, TJ Rollins, Nick Sheridan, Christian Carter, Sarai Rogers, Derek Noonan, Brooke Shanks, Brittany Underwood, Jeremy Slattery, Jeremy Benavidez, Cody Moen, Michael Kelly, Josh Coburn, Joe Lopez, Rachel Vandenhoevel, Don Payne, Miranda Hutley, Isis Gomez, Derek Guy Perkins, Olivia Pacini, Megan Costa, Joanna Trenina, Michael Castellarizios, Anthony Limparas, Matthew Fires, Spencer Pike, John Agras, Gabriel Townsend, Odin Childs, Evan Smith, Casey McWheels, Kevin Mangle, Amanda Hatfield, Adam Beardsley, Anthony DeMeo, Andrew Hagen, Becca Keen, Janice, Angel Godoy, Sean Jones, Benjamin Cook, Eileen Ordonez, Brendan Dowler, Camilo Carrillo, Calvin Murphy Griggs, Todd Stone, David, Patrick Jadani, Louis Thomas, Guy Adams, Sky, Dylan Taylor, Kimmy J, Andrew Dudas, Eowyn O'Neill, Jason, Renee Curtis, Caleb Jeter, Nicholas Martin, Angie Ramirez, Sean Ferguson, Jacob Owen, Paul Blythe, Jay Molnar, Ketty, Stefano Sangos, Jesse Harsh, Hannah Dowding, Alexander Biscardi, Derek, Jamie Driscoll, Jeremy Craig, Joshua Craig, Alex Griffin mccledden Nico Rintala, Cami Strickfaden, Jennifer Human, Emilio Beardsmore, mauricio Rodriguez, Matthew Matava, Sean, Britton inkley Mitchell Schwartz, Corey Payne, Mac Wells, Sal aguelo Kevin O'Brien, Caitlin Zane, kynan Clark, Kylo Ren, Renee Perez, Jace Eplin, James Colhane. Will Pavey, Benjamin Cook, Tyler Markham, and Walker McCray. Please let me know if I forgot anyone's name. I just went through the entire active patron list of $10, $25, and $100 tier patrons. Thank you so much for the support, everybody. You're the reason why this show is alive and still going, so thank you. We are so grateful for your support. Now let's get back into The Karate Kid, and I think this movie has great antagonists. Obviously, we have Johnny played by, what's his name, William Zabka? Is that his name? Correct. It's and That's so cool. Like we said, he's reclaimed the role in Cobra Kai. And he's like the leader of that show. And Ralph Macchio came in for the second season, I believe, for that. I think too. so, yeah. To reprise his role as Daniel LaRusso. But Johnny's a great antagonist because I think Mr. Miyagi really understands what Johnny is and what his gang of Cobra Kai douchebags are as they're a product of a bad sensei. And he explains to Daniel's son that, there are no bad karate students. They're only bad teachers, only bad senseis. And they, we learn real quick when we go to the dojo that Kreese, the sensei at Cobra Kai, is a villainous character. I'm sure he's very similar to the character he was in Karate Kid in Cobra Kai, the TV show. He's the same kind of guy in the other films as well. And he has the showdown. So obviously with, he fights Mr. Miyagi at one point, right? In the second I, one. I think in the second or yeah. third one he fights Miyagi. And he's a a bad guy. He's training these kids to be violent. He's training them to, like we said, fight without mercy, show no weakness, attack first. He's using karate as a weapon when it should just be a tool of defense and a tool of bringing balance to your life. And you realize that these kids, these young kids, have been completely corrupted by this sensei and how bad of a guy he is, and how powerful he is he. He clearly abuses them inside the dojo yeah. as well. He has his own rules. He treats it like like it's a war zone, and he wears his he wears his gi and his karate outfit everywhere, like acting like a tough guy, wanting to fight anybody. He wants to fight Mr. Miyagi there as well. He threatens Mr. Miyagi at his dojo dojo when it's like six on one. And I think that it's a great character. It's a great villain to have in this movie. And we learned that it's not the kid's fault, really. It's not Johnny's fault. It's not his friend's fault. Like, when the kid is is forced to take out Daniel's son's leg in the in the tournament, in the semifinals, he apologizes to Daniel immediately, says, sorry. He says he didn't want to do it. He didn't mean to do it. It's because they're so corrupted by this guy. They live in fear of yeah. their sensei. In a lot of ways, Johnny and the gang, they're not the actual villains of the movie. It's crease. Like you said, they've been corrupted by him. And Miyagi says, teacher, teacher um, student, do what teachers say and so they're they live in fear and in fierce loyalty to Crease. and the first hint you get at that is when they're the Halloween party and they chase Daniel Sundown it's a great scene it's really it's like I remember being a kid like, oh my god, don't catch him, don't catch him, don't catch him, and then they catch him. It's a huge, it's a great sequence where he yeah. shows up in the shower The curtain. shower costume's great. I the yeah. water revenge on Johnny, yeah. who's, who's rolling J. Yeah, it's, it's I love that whole sequence, and great costume, it's awesome. <laughs> it's, I'll go if you can make me invisible. <laughs> the invisible. If invisible, will you go? <laughs> And the kids corner him, and they they put him up against this fence, and they all just beat the crap out of him. But then Johnny wants to keep taking it further, and then there's one of the guys that says, Johnny, he's had enough, he can barely stand, and he's fighting with Johnny to stop him. But uh, Johnny is completely corrupted by Crease of this mentality of attack, 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 no mercy, no mercy. And you can see that even amongst this group of the students of the Sensei Crease they, there's a couple that clearly are uncomfortable with going this far, and then you see that again in the final tournament, not with just that kid, but also Johnny. When when Sensei Kreese tells him to go after go after the leg, Johnny does, and he feels really guilty about it. And also Johnny's look at the way Johnny looks at Kreese during the tournament. Of first of all, when the other student attacks Daniel in in the um, illegal way to damage his leg, and then also damage. Good, good vocab work. <laughs> It's busting your chops. <laughs> Consider them not busted. <laughs> that was a perfect word. It was a perfectly apt word to use. <laughs> so he damaged his leg. <laughs> and then. But the weight way... it sounds like an like, like electronics. <laughs> does it does not I'm just kidding. <laughs> so with the damaged leg. Um And just the way Johnny's looking at the sensei, sensei is like with horror, and then when sensei Kreese tells Johnny to go after the leg again, and he's got so much reluctance and hesitation on his face, and then Johnny, at the end, when Daniel wins, he wants to hand him the trophy. You know what I mean? And so, in a lot of ways, Kreese is the villain. And these kids are just, they're waywardly being kind of influenced by him in a lot of negative ways. Absolutely, 100% agree. Because you can tell at some point, you know, they have, they're still good dudes at somewhere deep down inside him, Like, But like we said, they've just been completely corrupted by Kreese and his negative mentality and his... His toxic traits is a, a horrible sensei he just training these kids to just be violent as hell. In a lot of ways, the teacher is a, is a father figure to a young kid. Absolutely. Yeah, I so, mean, especially teachers of anything, any yeah. kind of teacher, whether it's a teacher or a coach or a sensei, yeah. huge influence teachers are, on young yeah, minds. Teachers can be very impressionable on kids. And it's a great ending. The whole tournament sequence is epic. This I is love it. a great third act of the movie because the film is— it's. Slow-paced in a very effective way of the training montages, which we'll get to in a little bit. Oh, yeah. The patient filmmaking, the development of the relationship between Miyagi and Daniel, the relationship between Daniel and his mother, as well as Daniel and Allie, and Daniel and the bullies and how it's progressing throughout the film. Then the third act, it's finally here. The tournament is here. Daniel's been afraid of it pretty much the whole time. The last thing that Mr. Miyagi teaches him is how to strike. Finally, he's learning how to fight, so now he can learn how to defend himself not just defend himself but be offensive in a fight as well and the tournament's awesome because daniel gets there he's never fought in a tournament before he's been learning karate out of a book a couple classes at what the ymca he said like us that he took that's about it and he doesn't know the rules and miyagi he, no before no but he's not he's never fought in i know tournament. Yeah, 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 yeah he's yeah. been training with mr it's kind of like old boys like i know i know i know but you just said he's only learned from a book i'm just like hmm. no i'm all up to that point yeah, yeah. And with Mr. Miyagi, you're right. <laughs> what I mean is he's never one-on-one fought somebody. Competed. In a tur- tournament yeah. before. And so he doesn't know the rules. He's like, Mr. Miyagi, what are the rules? I don't know what, what I'm doing here. First time me, first time you. <laughs> <laughs> he's never been here. He either. runs out of the circle twice and he almost loses a point. But What's he- really great is how fast it is because that's what like tournaments are like. There's so many competitors and so many so many kids competing that they have to – The the fights are actually pretty quick and – It's breakneck speed. I love how once we walk into the tournament, it's like anxiety is on a high. Like I'm anxious watching this, and it's like it's very overwhelming. And they did a great job making you feel overwhelmed, just like Daniel is because of how fast it moves, how kind of chaotic, and um, you don't really know. He doesn't know where to go or what to do. I I really felt that as an audience member, and I was so nervous in his first fight. It reminded me of that viral clip of Tom Hardy in a jiu-jitsu tournament that, oh, came that out looks so like sick. a month ago. It was so cool yeah. to see like him doing jujitsu. but then I saw so many great comments, and one of them was like, imagine uh, that you've been training jujitsu for years, and it's like your one thing, your one vice is jiu-jitsu. You have a family and kids, and you just think you're going to have a chance at winning this tournament, and then you have to line up against freaking Bane in, in jujitsu, jitsu <laughs> He just kicks your ass. He's like, I can't even have one thing.
0: <laughs> that was so great, funny. though. He
1: looks really good. But, yeah, it's great. He he makes it to the semifinals, gets his leg taken out, and Mr. Miyagi does the the secret sauce Okinawa karate technique of healing with his hands. And it's a great tournament because then he, he makes it to the finals and he fights Johnny for the championship with his hurt leg. Yeah. And, and I think the best moment of the film is when he pulls out the crane kick at the end because he's down. He can only stand up on one leg. He can't stand up. Yeah. And Johnny keeps going after his leg, sweeping the leg like his sensei told him. And what I love about the directing of this scene, it's so emotional and my hair's standing up watching it and you just want Daniel to win and he's finally doing the crane technique, which he kind of taught himself after watching Miyagi. We never see Miyagi teaching him this. He just watches Miyagi do it on his own. He does the crane technique and I feel like so many other directors would have slowed this scene down and just done a bunch of close-ups on Johnny, done a bunch of close-ups on Daniel with doing the crane kick. And it would have been like a slow-mo, three, like a three-minute yeah. sequence. It's just the same wide shot of them two in the in the frame fighting, and he does it's the, the same, crane. the um, same amount of time as all the other fights. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, and it doesn't change camera angles at all. And it's as emotional probably more emotional and when he kicks him when he wins i've never felt more elated and happy for a character to succeed i think watching a movie ever yeah i, I cried was so i happy. cried when i watched it last I night cried i too. cried too i was like why am i crying right now i'm so happy <laughs> daniel did it daniel won i was like i've seen this movie 30 times i'm still crying as a 32 year old it's incredible yeah. what an ending and what a th- third act it just blew me away and yeah. the original ending was gonna have the entire crowd was gonna lift Daniel up and carry him away but they reshot it and had just uh um Johnny hand him the trophy and there's a the final shot is on Mr. Miyagi smiling with a freeze frame it's great it's so good it's such an uplifting ending and because it's like I feel like we we see often when uh a, a, a lead underdog loses but they still like learn the valuable lesson and I really like that approach when, you know, the team that you're rooting for, they don't win, but they still prove themselves. That happens a lot, but I like it when they win sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's really pretty great. great. It's and, great. Yeah, and like, Mr. he convinces Mr. Miyagi to fix his leg because Miyagi's like, we don't have to fix your leg. You don't have to keep fighting. You've you, already earned their you've respect. You've proved yourself. Yeah. You know, you don't have to win. You've done what you came here to do, they'll leave you alone after this. And then Daniel is just convinced that, you know, I I have to win. I have to have... For a, me. If not, I, if not just win, I have to have a chance. I have to see if I can do it for myself and to, to, get, have, balance. to get balance back in my yeah. life. And Mr. Miyagi's like, oh, he busted out the balance first. Then Mr. Miyagi goes with his hands. But but I, I, it cuts. I, I, I love the sound effect, though, because they do like this... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really Like great. this crazy loud... <laughs> <laughs> when his hands go together i get goosebumps man it's amazing I get goosebumps it's such a great third i act. think that miyagi it's some kind of numbing technique um it's he's not like healing him but I, I feel like it's kind of like getting a cortisone shot he might be numbing I'm... numbing the muscle area well he's yeah he probably he's warming his hands up just to just warm them up for when he's touching the muscles but he must know a technique to like hit a nerve or something yeah my guess he's not like healing the injured leg he made it so that daniel could like Bear standing on it yeah, barely. So he did, I, he did it yeah, to his shoulder. Yeah. So I, 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 when I was a kid, I thought he was healing him. But like as an adult, you're like, oh no, it must be he must be like just numbing the pain in some way. And I love '80s cheesy training montages oh, so much. And this is one of the most iconic of all time with the training sequence where Daniel just basically becomes like an indentured servant to Miyagi. <laughs> he's he's waxing his all of the cars, wax on, wax off. He's painting the fence up and down, in sanding the sanding the floor, painting the house left, right, switching hands every every piece of wood. And Daniel's just getting losing his mind, going crazy. He's like, I'm doing everything for you. You're not teaching me. Any karate, and then Miyagi shows him that like he's just basically been developing his muscles and his senses to do the the movements that are all defensive movements to block yeah. any kind of kick or punch. I feel like it's um, it's not so much developing like he's not like getting jacked <laughs> or anything. It's more it's muscle memory. That's what I mean. the way I, way I look at it, it's like. It's not like taking protein right there. Yeah. Or anything. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's only four days. Daniel shows up it's like, o- what's up, Johnny? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to hit me. <laughs> he like breaks his arm. <laughs> he, he looks like Stallone and, and, and Rambo 2. Not Rambo Woman. Like, you look like Rambo 2. Got any tips? You so? <laughs> Got any dips? <laughs> Thanks, man. It's really just diet. <laughs> <in> the map. <laughs> Traffic Thunder. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's definitely muscle memory and repetition because. When you train, if you like, if you train like the like, when you train in martial arts, a great way of learning how to fight is you do combination exercises with sparring, and that gets you to learn how to interact and block and punch and strike and certain and get the motions right. You're not just hitting a bag, but like hitting specific areas and and blocking attacks. But you can only get so many reps in, you know what I mean, each lesson. But with this, if you think about it, how many times did Daniel? move his arm to wax in that circle thousand right, times. thousands of times of each motion so it's the muscle memory of the repetition that makes it like part of his instinct without even thinking about it he can do the motion yeah it's like yeah. that great Bruce Lee quote where he said I'm not afraid of a man who's practiced a 1,000 kicks one time each. I'm afraid of a man who's practiced the same kick a 1,000 times. Yeah. Same thing, repetition, that's how yeah. you master something. Yeah, the, the muscle memory and making it part of it is instinct to do that motion, which is the perfect blocking technique. That's what Miyagi instilled in him as the foundation for his fighting. And then after that, I, le- I it's the approach. It's first defense, then balance. And then you can learn striking and offense. And then we learn while watching the fights in the tournament, the defense is his greatest um, asset as a fighter. And that's what he explains to him in the first round. He's like, use your defense and the offense will come defend first that's what you're what i've been training you to do is to defend yourself that's the point of karate yeah is self-defense i think wax on wax off might be the was the most quoted line in our household growing up it It has it definitely was whenever someone was cleaning something or like it was a chore (laughs) they were doing we'd walk by them wax on (laughs) wax 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 off. wax on wax all the time wax on wax off all the time all over the place like ninja turtles and karate kid referenced constantly in the house i love it yeah it was it was great and there's Great relationships in this movie, too. I mean, yeah, All- with him and Allie, it's, it's great straight up, up and down and, down, and yeah. Allie, you know, she doesn't just like succumb to anything that Daniel wants or says. And she defends herself against Johnny and against Daniel son's actions because she's b- been let down by Daniel son multiple times in this film. And but they do rekindle their relationship at the golf and stuff, which is super fun. But it's a really cute relationship, how it grows. But what I think this movie does really well is it in it. it infuses social class issues as well as racist issues in this film subtly and effectively like a lot of great movies in the 80s do you know racist elements include the way that people speak to mr miyagi in this film yeah especially the guys drinking the beers increase as well and then Social class, oh, but issues. also um, Daniel not being able to say his name correctly until like the tenth time. That's not racist. That's just more of like understanding cultures differently. No, no, it's kind of a bit of an ignorant, a subtle racist ignorance. I think. I don't it, think Daniel's being... racist. No, no, I'm not saying he's racist, but just like being American and unable to say a foreigner's name. Yeah, ignorant yeah. American. Yeah. yeah, basically. Okay, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll say ignorant American, yeah. te- ignorant teen American. Because Miyagi tells him multiple times, Miyagi, yeah. Miyagi, Miyagi, yeah. and then the social class issues where. Allie clearly is affluent coming from and lives in Beverly Hills she's got wealthy parents wealthy family No Encino No no the hills She oh in the hills yeah. of Encino yeah yeah Or she lives in the hills No she lives in Encino And he lives in Reseda Reseda yeah she doesn't live in Beverly Hills She lives in the hills in Encino <laughs> the hills are anywhere nice though let's be honest <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> they're nice hills in nc so they're the very social nice hills. clash is an issue because her parents don't want him date you're dating you're seeing that boy from Resita again yeah, yeah, yeah you should be seeing johnny he's also got affluent parents as well and socially v- equal to our status as well and and daniel use daniel's insecurity about that is what causes a lot of conflict between them I love when, um, they pick her up for the date and the car won't stop and him and his mom are, like, pushing it forward. It's so great. I love the mom. She's yeah. just constantly optimistic and just wants nothing but the best for Daniel and is trying her best to, you know, make this move work for the both of them. She understands that Daniel's going through a lot, but she's just a positive force in his life constantly. I like how we don't know what happened in their earlier life. I'm guessing there's there's obviously no dad in the picture. He either passed away or ran out on them, doesn't want anything to do with them. I like how we don't address that. We don't really need to know. It's not it's super important. We understand that Daniel's fish out of water, and he's very unhappy when he gets here at first, and that's all we need to know. I like how we don't kind of obsess over his past and like, what happened to his dad? Why isn't he in the picture? I, I like that. It can be, it's not really necessary. This movie's super funny. You know, there's a lot of great lines. Mr. Miyagi has some great lines as well. Daniel's son, mm-hmm. but I, I love when Mr. Miyagi like pushes Daniel off the boat into the water. He's yeah, just yeah. like, ah, Daniel's son. Ah, <laughs> it's so, so it's so hilarious. And I my I favorite love- yeah, probably my favorite line is uh, when they make the deal, and uh, Miyagi he's like, "This is the deal. It's a sacred deal. Uh, student teacher." And, and, they, and then ha- Daniel holds out his hand to handshake and then Miyagi puts a spudge in his hand <laughs> now a washed car <laughs> I was, that's so funny I love Daniel's bike in this movie because all Johnny and his buds they, they're just like wealthy kids in the valley and they have motorcycles and dirt bikes and shit and then Daniel has this great metal bicycle with the padding on the handlebar oh yeah yeah remember yeah. the padding yeah, on the handlebars yeah. of bikes that oh, i missed that velcroed man. on yeah dude i remember i missed those so much you you were like the the shit with those velcro paddings <laughs> it's a you, bike. Used to, you used to ride around with like friends on your bike yeah, that's what that's back, what the, back in a long, long back ago a long time ago you hop a buddy on the front handlebars yeah and we, we were like we had the et crew <laughs> we just ride bikes around the neighborhoods you could tell Whose house was, had everybody over because all the bikes would be on the front yeah, lawn. Yeah. <laughs> There'd be like seven bikes on like someone's front lawn. It'd be like, all oh, the kids are over there. And it would generally be like the kid whose parents didn't mind having a bunch of kids over. <laughs> Some parents didn't like that. I also love the chopstick sequences because Mr. Miyagi oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. is doing it multiple times in the film. And when Daniel walks in on him doing it one time, he's like, he's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, a "Man who can catch chopstick can accomplish catch fly with chopsticks can accomplish anything." And then Daniel like goes to try, and he catches a fly. And he's like, "Oh, beginner's <laughs> luck," because <laughs> he's been trying his whole life to do it. But it shows there's little things like that to show the potential that Daniel has with karate and with his athleticism. I think being so great at like the soccer ball kicking and juggling that shows that he's a great kicker, and you've yeah. been practicing. Oh, kicks. great point. Yeah. So I think like little things like that show how gifted that daniel is if he just needs the right direction and the right push to really put him into his path of potential yeah and but it is a great emotional core to the story especially with miyagi and the bonsais uh, the bonsai trees their first like in real interaction from person to, like human interaction where he teaches him about bonsai and how to cut them and how to meditate and focus on the task at hand and to shut out everything else and then the connection the bonsai of miyagi's wife stitched that bonsai emblem on the back of the gi and so it's super emotional when he gives that to daniel for his birthday to wear for the tournament and then we, whenever you see him in that gi with the bonsai in the back of it, it's, it has that emotional connection for the audience. The birthday scene is so sweet. Yeah. He gives Daniel the gi birthday present the number bir- one, birthday present number two. And he lets him select any oh car he wants. Yeah. It's really, really incredible. And so that car actually was in the Cobra Kai TV show. Daniel still drives the car in the Cobra Kai show. And it's a, it's a what kind of car is it? It's a 1948 Sup- Ford Super Deluxe. And director Evelton actually gave it to Ralph Macchio as a gift after the film was wrapped. Oh, very sweet. He so still I, actually owns it to this day. Macchio. Yeah. And he used, they used it for the show, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah. It's it's really sweet. It's a cool it's car. Sweet, yeah. And I love the it's golf. St- I love golf and stuff. I want to go hang out there. Yeah, it's a great spot. It looks like so much fun. There's similar spots to uh, in LA, but yeah. not quite that. And I was watching this movie for the first time in so long. I'm like, this is such a Stranger Things vibe. It's so yeah. fun. The music, the arcades and stuff. It's it, a blast. It's a great date for teens yeah. going to things like this. Really fun. You know? it's, it's cool. No smartphones or nothing. Just like it's, having fun and playing games and... Uh, ice hockey. I love I love movies air before. Movies before smartphones were the best. Man, it, it looked like a blast. Golf and stuff looks lit. Yeah, it is. It does. It does. <laughs> He's like, I don't know. What do you want to do for a day? She's like, go to golf and stuff. She's like, yeah, I guess we're going Which... to golf and stuff. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's great. All right. You got anything else to add? No, I love this movie. It's it's such a classic. If y'all haven't seen it, you definitely get to check it out, especially if any of you watch Cobra Kai to see where it comes from. This movie, I think it's the... For me, the best teen movie of the entire decade of the '80s. It's really fantastic. It's peak '80s yeah, cinema. It, it is. is a classic. It still holds up today, yeah. man. It's, it's still, still it's very still good. really it's good. Still I just loved good. every second of yeah. rewatching. And it. Ralph, Ralph Macchio's performance is like one of the best like teen performances I think of all time. Well, it's teen great. character, yeah, performance. teen character, yes, <laughs> not him. Yeah, him. It's like the best performance by a 22 year old pretending to be 15. It's the most believable. For it's sure. really great, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, th- I think he's. I think he's really. Really terrific in the movie. Yeah. So thanks so much for tuning in to our episode on the 1984 classic, The Karate Kid. Become a patron today at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast and take care, everybody. Take care. Banzai! Banzai! This episode of Raiders of the Lost Podcast was executive produced by our chosen one patrons. Luke Exelston, Tyler McFly, Darren Singleton, Anthony DeMeo, John A. Agras, Becca Keen, Cody Moen, Benjamin Cook, Calvin Cam, and Lauren Smertz. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.